Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Now let's turn our attention to... Or just during the day, yes, thank you. You can just come up and join us during the day. Just let me know that that's what you want to do so I can tell you where we will be. Um, Now we'll turn our attention to Genesis chapter 12, uh, verses 1 to 3. And this this passage, I I could call this, I titled it, not this, what did I title this? I think I titled this, what did I title it? What did we title today? All right, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Yes, I titled it for the blessing of the world. But you could also title this uh, the most important verses in the Bible that you didn't know about. Because if you hear these verses and you're like, I I haven't really ever paid attention to these verses, uh, let me tell you that these verses are actually critically important. Um, And it was for me, this was about... uh, 10, 12, 14 years ago now, that I first, it's not the first time I had read these verses, I had read the Bible before, but it was about 14 years ago that I first understood how these verses fit into all of the biblical story. And it opened up the Bible and the purpose of the Bible and the purpose of God in the world for me in a whole new way. So my hope this morning as we reflect on these together is that you will get some of that same picture of what these mean for what God is doing in the world and what part we get to have in that. Not that I just set us a high standard or anything by calling these the most important verses in the Bible that you didn't already know. But, hey, they're all important, right? So, the Lord, the Lord will be good to us. Let's read Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Let's pray. Father, we pray now, as we reflect on your word together, that you would take take this word and sink it deep into our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. Would you make this word come alive for us? That it would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our lives. Changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. Today and in the days to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you were to list out all the big questions that people ask, what what is the biggest question of all? That you ask the philosophers, you ask people when they're awake in their bed at night, other than why can't I get back to sleep? You know, people worry about you know, money and time and jobs and that kind of thing. But over all of these things, the big question is, why are we here? What am I supposed to be doing? That's like a big question. And you know, it, there's a sense that many of us rightly have, like if I know why I'm here, then I can figure out the rest of it. But, I, but why, what's the point? Sometimes we ask that when we're asleep at night. Sometimes we ask that when we're depressed and discouraged, wondering why we do what we do, how we spend our time. Why am I here? Human beings have been asking this for thousands of years. And here in Genesis chapter 12, the reason these are so significant is because this really does give us the answer. 
to why are we here? Not so much the question of like, how did we get here? We'll get that next week in Genesis chapter 1 as we start into the book of Genesis for the next long time. Um, appropriately in God's creation. But it's actually appropriate to start here in Genesis chapter 12 because this tells us why we are here as the people of God. And if you're looking at this saying, Jimmy, why is this, why is this so important? Here is where this is in the whole biblical story. This is in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. The first 11 chapters of Genesis give this like big historical overview of the whole world. From the creation of the world, the first people, the first cities, the first music, Noah and the flood, the Tower of Babel, all these big ancient stories about the whole world. And then in Genesis chapter 12, right here, God calls a particular family. And he calls Abram and he says, Abram, you go. And we learn this, uh, if you grow up in the church, you learn this in Sunday school as like, oh, God called Abram to go from the land that he lived originally in Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the promised land where God's people would be for a long time. And we should go. And we should, when God calls us to go, we should go. And it's a good lesson. But it's so much more significant than this. Because from this point forward throughout the rest of the Bible, God is working out his plan for the whole earth. And it's expressed in these verses. Do you see at the end there? In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is God's call to Abraham. To Ab Abram will then become Abraham later on. If you've heard of Abraham, you know, Father Abraham had many sons and all that. But if Father Abraham had many sons, as the old song goes, this, this is where it starts from. That, that, that song goes on, I am one of them and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. There's actually a lot of deep truth in that children's song about Father Abraham. Because this is the beginning of God's plan for the world. And so when we look at this and we say, what, what, what problem is this addressing? What's our problem here? The problem is we don't know the answer to that big question. Why are we here? Where do we go? In fact, it's interesting that Abram had already started on this journey. If you look back in, verse, in chapter 11, it says that Terah, who was Abram's father, Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. So it's interesting that Abram was actually already on his way to Canaan before God called him. His father Terah had started this trip, but they got stuck. They got stuck halfway in the land of Haran. And God had to come and grab him and say, nope, Abraham, you go. I have plans. So we get stuck in our own idea. We, have our, we don't know why Terah left. Terah thought maybe it was going to be a better land, perhaps. But then he got to Haran, and he said, hey, we'll stop here. We get stuck. We get caught up in our own ideas. But this tells us that God does not leave his people stuck. That God is the one who calls his people. Through this, we see that God initiates. Now the Lord, the Lord God said to Abram, you go. I'm going to take you to a place. And what am I going to do there? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make you into a blessing for other people. So God is the one who calls his people. What do we have to do? We just have to respond in obedience. 
We go in obedience to what God is calling us to. We don't always know what that looks like. We don't always have to figure out the big picture. But to know that we are part of a bigger plan that God has called all of his people to. So we see three specific parts here of how God has called his people. First, God blesses. Second, God identifies himself. And third, God uses. He blesses, he identifies, he uses. The first part is that God blesses. I mean, think of this. When we think of what am I supposed to do in this world, and we think of what does God want me to do, what is God calling me to do, realize that the first thing that God is calling you to do is to be blessed by him. The first thing he says to Abram is, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. See, here in Genesis, this is particularly significant because back in chapter 11 was the Tower of Babel, where those who built the Tower of Babel were trying to make their name great and trying not to be scattered. They are trying to make a name for themselves by building a tower. And God frustrated that plan. He confused their language. He said, not going to happen. I'm going to scatter you all over the earth. And now he's saying to Abram, your name being great was right, but I'm going to do it. God wants to bless you. Sometimes we just need to sit in that. It's amazing. The first, uh, the first question of the, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which is the, uh, one of the, the part of our, the historical documents of our church. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever to enjoy him, to be blessed by him. That is who we are, what, what are we here for? To be blessed by God. God wants to bless his people. He wants us to have a good life. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that his idea of a good life for us is always exactly the same as our idea of a good life. So that's why I'm always saying, like I'm not promising you that life is easy or that life is going to be all sunshine and roses all the time. But that does not change the fact that God wants to bless you. And when we say that sometimes the things that are best for us are not what is easy or not what we want, let's not lose sight of the fact that they are still good. That our life is, that God intends to bless his people. We are a blessed people. So what does that mean for us practically to know that our identity as God's people is a blessed people whom God blesses? It means our lives should be characterized by joy. Even in the midst of hardship, that fundamentally we should be a joyful people. We should be a celebratory people. We should be enjoying the things that God has given us. It is not wrong to have good things. It is not wrong to have good friends. It's not wrong to recognize that life is hard sometimes but we can enjoy the blessings of God because he has chosen his people to be blessed by him. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. But what's the second part? I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. What is God saying here? I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. What God is saying is that he is fundamentally identifying himself with the family of Abram. 
So much so that if Abram, if, if somebody does good to Abram, God will bless them. It's as if they were doing good to God. If somebody dishonors Abram, it's as if they were dishonoring God. And so God will curse them. God is binding himself so much to a particular people on earth that what is done to those people is done to God. And so now, as the descendants of Abraham, as we see throughout the Bible that Abram would be the father of the nation of Israel through his son Isaac and Jacob and the 12 sons of Jacob who became the 12 tribes of Israel, and that today, as the people of God, the church, we are brought into that through Jesus, the perfect descendant of Abraham, who brought all of his children, all of, Je all of Jesus' spiritual children into the family of Abraham, God identifies himself with us. And this theme is picked up throughout the Bible. First, God, uh, the people who oppose God's people as they wander through the wilderness are opposing God himself. The people who oppose God's kings in the land of Canaan are opposing God himself. We see it throughout the Psalms. Why do you oppose my king? Because God identifies with his king. And then we get to the New Testament. We see through Jesus and we see through his apostles, the, the, through Paul and the others, as they explained what it means to be the body of Christ. We talked last week about the body of Christ as everybody having different parts, different roles, and the body working together. And that is certainly the way that the Bible talks about the body of Christ. But also remember that it is the body of Christ. That Christ has identified himself with his body. It's amazing. Here we see God identifying with Abram, and for the rest of time he will identify with his people. That God himself has, has put his name on us so that we are so closely identified with God. What does that mean for us? What difference does that make that God has identified himself with us? Well, we should be encouraged, right? When you get down on yourself, when you think I have done so much wrong, you not only can, but you should, and you must remember how it is that God actually thinks about you. That God does not look at you in the same way that you are looking at yourself when you are down at yourself. That God looks at you as one who is worthy of putting his own name on you. And yes, he sees the things that you have done that he is not pleased with, but you're not pleased with them either, as Suzanne would like to tell you. Uh, that she's, when we look at our sin, it's not God shaking his finger at us sitting across the table, but we are sitting on the same side of the table looking at our sin. We're both displeased, but God sees it the same way that he does, and he is still pleased with us. God has identified himself with us. We can lift up our heads and walk in confidence no matter how much we do wrong. We have been forgiven by him. See, this is the beginning of what we call God's covenant with Abraham. He'll, he'll continue to elaborate on it in later chapters. And we've been learning in uh, kids' Sunday school over at the 9.30 hour at the VLC building about God's covenant throughout the Bible. And we've just now been getting to what happens with Jesus. And one of the things we've been talking about with the kids over there that's important for all of us to understand is that these covenants are two ways. He calls Abraham and Abraham's expected to go. He tells Abraham to walk before me and be blameless. Now you'll see, as you keep reading Genesis, Abraham was a good guy, but he was certainly not a perfect guy. He did not always do it right. But the identification of God with his people would never falter. 
Because through Jesus, God made all the covenants right. And all the times that Abram was not able to keep up his covenant, all the times that the people of Israel through Moses were not able to keep up theirs, all the times that David and all the kings that followed him were not able to keep up their end of it, to properly be God's people on earth, Jesus came and said, I'm going to do it perfectly. And so when Jesus did it perfectly, he didn't do it apart from us. He came and identified himself with us again. So we saw in John that as Jesus brought heaven down to earth, he was bringing us, us into the very life of God over and over again, that you may be one, that you may be one with me as I am already one with the Father. So that Jesus has continued to identify with his people and he has done it perfectly. So not only are God and us on the same side, when God looks at us, he sees the perfection of Jesus. And he has put himself, he has represented himself to the world in Jesus and Jesus passed that on to his people. And through his perfect life, he makes it real for us. And he then makes us more and more into that likeness by the power of the Holy Spirit that God identifies with us. We can be encouraged by that. We can be inspired by that to walk in a way that really does represent God to the world, that shows what God is to be like. God blesses us. God identifies with us. And the third is that God uses us. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Why are we here? To be blessed by God, to carry his name. To do what? To be a blessing to the world. We have been blessed that we might be a blessing. Also in verse 2, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. What is it to be a Christian, to be a church? It is to be blessed, to be a blessing to, to the world. This is why in our revised uh, mission statement, we said the, our mission is to disciple the people of Virginia Beach into growing relationship with God in real community with one another for the blessing of the world. It comes from these verses. We are here as a people not only to enjoy fellowship with ourselves, not only to enjoy God's blessings upon us, but to be a blessing for the world. That's why as a church we seek to do things that are a blessing to others. Not really that we might get something out of it, but simply that we might be a blessing. That's why we put on summer sports camps at great cost and energy of our time and our resources and everything else. This is why we have parties in our neighborhoods. This is why in a couple weeks our, our youth group in, in my neighborhood in Red Mill Farms will host a pre-trick-or-treat pre party for Halloween. Why? To be a blessing to the neighborhood. It's not, it's not a bait and switch. It's not a hope that, oh, if we do this, maybe people will come into our church. We think that would be great for anybody who comes because it's a good community and a good body. But fundamentally, it's just to be a blessing, to be a blessing to the neighborhood, to offer a little bit of the life of God and what he wants for his people. Same thing with our Easter egg hunts that we do in the spring in different neighborhoods. Why? To be a blessing, to show forth the joy and the celebration that God has. What are we here for? We're here to be a blessing. So then the question for each one of us is what does that mean? What does that mean for us as a church body? Where is God calling us to be a blessing to others? What does that mean for us individually? Where is God calling me to be a blessing to others? How can I pour out the blessings that he has given me? So to do that, you can take stock of how God has blessed you. 
He's maybe he's blessed you with talent. Maybe he's blessed you with time. Maybe he's blessed you with energy. Maybe he's blessed you with money. Sometimes you might look at that and say, I'm not sure he's blessed me with any of those things right now. I just feel tired and run down all the time. He knows. He understands. But when you reflect, you know that he has given you many blessings and many gifts and many abilities. And you can think, how can I serve other people with these? How can I encourage? How can I support? How can I help? There are many ways to be a blessing. That's why in the, if you look at your, uh, your cards under your seats in that path of explore, uh, explore, belong, serve, and grow, the serve step is about being a blessing to others. A lot of times we express that in our ministry teams on Sunday mornings of the practicals of doing things here. But ultimately the purpose of that is to be a blessing to other people. To be a blessing to all who come in these doors on Sunday mornings. To be a blessing to all in our neighborhoods. For as you hold this verse as the beginning of the story of God and his people, you'll see throughout the Bible that God is blessing his people that they might be a blessing to the world. For in his people, first in the family of Abraham, now in the church, the body of Christ, God is fulfilling what it means that he made man in his image, as it says back in Genesis chapter 1, to reflect his glory throughout the world that the whole earth might be filled with the blessing of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for these few verses that set the tone for so much of the rest of the biblical story. We pray now that as we reflect on it, we would know your blessings to us. We would understand the love and sacrifice of Christ for us to make us a blessing for the world and that we would each see what role we have to play in that. Would you do this for us today and in the days to come? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.